0: Brother Jerry and Brother Dwayne. Hello. Here we are again, uh, getting to where we're growing deeper together. And so, this is our third podcast of this kind of series we're doing, um, which is going to carry us on through. It's something we plan on keeping going. We've had the hardest time with sickness and different things going on to um, keep these consistent, but we're going to really try to get these things coming out every week. And so, um, I know it's it's a huge blessing. I've had several people um, even ask me, hey, what are we doing in that podcast? So, first <laughs> off, I'm just sorry it's uh, taken us a couple weeks here.
1: Yep. Yeah, but I'm uh, struggling with uh, coming off of laryngitis. So, I'm doing my best to, Hopefully keep my voice through this whole thing. We'll see how it goes. We'll
0: see. All right. Well, this last week on Sunday, the whole purpose of this is to go deeper into what we talked about each Sunday. And this last Sunday, we were talking about John chapter four. We're going through the gospel of John and John chapter four has this conversation recorded with Jesus and this Samaritan woman or this promiscuous woman And she was promiscuous in the sense that she had five husbands, and the one she was with at that time was not her husband, um, but she was apparently with him. And so um, Jesus uh, confronts her about that, exposes that, and we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. But. Really, there's so much that happens in this chapter, and it was really difficult to really explain all of that on Sunday morning. I felt like the Lord really gave His grace in allowing um, the, the Spirit to move in a special way, but there was a lot to cover, and so I always encourage you to be able to break it down just a little bit more. Um, some of the things we talked about was, first off, the fact that Jesus offers living water. And when you think about that, Duane, that there's this living water that He gives, and that it's not... Um, something that the world offers. It's something that only he offers. And so just kind of think through your life and and
1: what that means to you, that living water. Well, yeah. And I think, you know, when you're talking about living water, I mean, the concept that comes into my mind is you have to be thirsty, right? And Jesus, when he talks of living water, it's hard for some people who don't really understand what he means by that. They take him literally and uh, instead of metaphorically and thinking in terms of, You know what is he trying to tell us here? You know, and and you see it all the time in the Bible where they they just don't get it. How can he be living water? How can I how can I drink of him? You know, and I think so many times us even today in our lives we have this um, this thing where we're just so comfortable. We're not literally. We're just not thirsty for the truth. We're not thirsty for the gospel. And so um, Jesus, you know, when he when he tells you this. That he is the living water and that he will give you this, that he will fill you and you'll live forever. You know, you think about that and think, my goodness, you know, why aren't we more desperate for that sometimes? We're just so comfortable in our lives and we're not broken enough, I think, sometimes that we just aren't desperately thirsty for that for that good news, right? Yep, yep. For the truth.
0: Yeah, that's huge because, I mean, that's... the what I said on Sunday was we get lost in the details exactly like you're talking about taking it literal trying to understand what's going on and mm-hmm. she got lost in the details she says where's your water pot w- yeah. wait a second this well's, well's too deep, deep. and yes. all the things that um, she <laughs> was focusing on in that moment and talked about us being guilty of that like when, when he says I'll restore your marriage and we say you don't know my wife's heart Lord or like mm-hmm. we have this uh, what about this aspect she's not going to change here or this situation our money situation is not going to change it's always mm-hmm. going to be a straight and we have all of these details that we can't just trust God at his word. We're always focused too narrow instead of just saying, God, I trust you. Right, I trust you. And so um, we get lost in the details, but I think what you said is so important. There's this thirst that, that has to be revealed. And um, I was talking about how a lot of times you drink water and man, I don't know about you, but to me, there, there's times that I just kind of get tired of water. I just want mm-hmm. some kind of caffeine or soda or something juicy right. or something like something that. Sweet. Something sweet. Some sweet, and it's like, oh man, just plain water doesn't, isn't isn't going to do it. But when mm-hmm. I work hard and I got sweat rolling down my face and I come in, the 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 first thing I want is a cold glass of water. Absolutely, a big one. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, because something's revealed my thirst. Mm-hmm. And spiritually speaking, there's a thirst that we have. We have these longings. Um, and guys, look at the world. I mean, this world is thirsty. We try to fill our our um, thirst or quench it by um, scientists and their answers. Um, and we try to then go into philosophy and say, well, they feel this way, and so, so that should mean something. Or we go into the line of thought of what the, the experts say. Um, and the leading people in their fields and, and we have all these ways of looking for all these answers but at the end of the day it's like what Paul told Timothy, they're just contradictions, they're idle babblings that this world calls knowledge but in itself in itself is not knowledge And so I don't know, you had a different experience than me with kind of the professional work field of going in and all of the prestige of going in and being with doctors and all the different things and and it's just interesting because it's almost as if they think they've quenched their
1: thirst. Oh, absolutely. You know, we, and it really depends on, on whether you're living for uh, God or you're living for the world. Right. And so we get caught up in this, this concept, this thing, at least in America, we do about, we chase this, the brass ring. Everybody talks about, you know, chasing money and wealth and status and, and uh, prestige, all these things. And, you know, I would tell you that some of the people that I would say have I've been most successful people by the world's terms are many times some of the most unhappy people that you'll ever meet. Because they're still thirsty. Broken.
0: That's right. And so what Jesus does in this story is he (laughs) takes this woman and exposes her brokenness. He says, Mm -hmm. go get your husband. And she says, I don't have a husband. And he says, you're right. But you have five. You right. ha- you've had five <laughs> and you have one now that you're not married to. And, and um, it exposes that brokenness, which shows her how thirsty she is. And that's what's so interesting is when she leaves later on in this passage, she's going and running and telling people, he knows all that I've done. He's told me all that I've done. That's the thing that spoke to her was her, him exposing her brokenness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, that's what she uses to lead others to want Jesus. It's kind of fascinating because at first she comes in this this six hour, this this time of of where no one else would have been there. It mm-hmm. was more, like I said, promiscuous. She, she wouldn't have probably been accepted by the other women, the other things. So she tries to come at an hour where she would be alone, hiding her shame, hiding her brokenness, to running and telling everybody how broken she is, and how Jesus knew it, and how Jesus is doing something about it.
1: Well, and you know the interesting thing to me about that too, Jerry, is that not only does it is she excited about it, but as she shares her innermost secrets and the things that she's most ashamed of everybody else that hears that yeah. gets excited as well, right? Yeah. And that tells me that they are excited over the fact that their shame and their sadness or the things that maybe they've done in their lives that they regret, that Jesus knows those too, and they are anxious to go and see just who this person is. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. So. And, and <clears throat> through exposing that brokenness, she knows how thirsty she is, and she takes a drink. And I love what Jesus says that it's not just this drink that, that just— one time you drink it and it just kind of satisfies for the rest of your life, and in that sense of that one drink, he says, no, it it springs up this fountain inside of you that has this everlasting water, this everlasting mm. life, and and even um, in other go- gospel accounts, Jesus says, a rivers of living water will come and spring inside of you, and I just think it's so important to recognize. The way that works because I think some people take a drink of Jesus, take a drink of this, what's offered because they want the benefits of it. Mm -hmm. And then when life's hard, they, they, they forget that there's a fountain. that It never came up to be a fountain inside of them that they can continue to draw from. They just go and the kind of like the, the parable of the sowers, they get scorched out by the sun or the thorns kind of take them out in all the different ways because they just kind of sip. They never really took
1: the drink that turned into a fountain. Yeah, or they quench their thirst at the moment. Right. And now they're back to their old ways again, right. you know. And so many times... You know, we talk about God never never leaves us, and He doesn't. We drift away from Him, right, based on our needs. And you know, the other thing too, Jerry, is I've noticed. You know, there's a big age difference between us, but I know that there's been times in my life, even when I was your age, that time was were hard. You yeah. know, and and you have these times when you're you become thirsty and you're desperately seeking something. And it was hard times in my life that turned me into a Christian. Um, you know, and as we go through these seasons. Uh, you know, I think that the more that you can get your thirst quenched by Jesus, the more that you understand that you need him all the time, not right. just when times are hard. Right. And it's a lot easier to get through the hard times when you know who you're walking with all the time. Um, and it just, it gives you a comfort that is beyond understanding really many times. Right. Um, especially as you get older and you start entering this season of your life where people are dying. You're losing family. There's so much heartache, you know, around you many times as you watch those ahead of you and your family age out and start to to get close to to passing. And in many cases they do. And it's just, it's it's hard to deal with that sometimes. But you can still, if you know that, number one, that Jesus is living water, and you know that you can trust in the truth of that, and you know what awaits us someday, and that he doesn't lie to us. He tells us the truth. It's a lot easier to know that, Yes, you know, even though we suffer in this world and many times we have things that we're ashamed of or things that we've done, we know that through Jesus all of that is washed clean and that someday when we pass, we are guaranteed that we're gonna see those people again someday. Right. And all of that shame and guilt and hurt and pain and suffering is just gone. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's awesome, man. You know, I think also
0: about this idea of the rivers of life in you and the, the water, the fountain that springs up and kind of the different ways Jesus explains that to, to show us the picture of what he's talking about, which is the Holy Spirit inside of us. The um, he, he references the Holy Spirit as this living water, this this flowing water. And and uh, there's a reality of that because the, the Spirit's not stagnant. Um, it's not meant to come in you and just sit. There, there's a movement of the Holy Spirit in you and, and it should be moving. He, he should be moving in you. Someone told me this, and it has always stuck with me. They said that, you know, I used to think of my life as these pipes and the water the the god's water flowing through us as a pipe and we were channels like he uses us to get to where he wants to go and and it makes sense i used to think of it that way too and almost in the sense like you know water going through a pipe long enough that gets rusted and and all the different ways and can fall apart and get brittle and all the things that happens with a, a water pipe and it's the way I, I thought of a Christian life. Like we're, We serve God, we, we let Him move through us, and we just get broke down through the time, and He heals us through that time. But he said, that's not really the way it is. He said, it, it's more along the lines that we're roots, and water flows through us like it channels through a root. And as it's transferring, because a root transfers the water to where it needs to go, but it's growing in the same time, the mm-hmm. root gets bigger and it gets stronger. And, and the more the Holy Spirit moves through us, it strengthens us. It makes us stronger, but it's also going and, and, and not stagnant. It's going where it needs to go and affecting others. And, and so I love the idea that this is called digging deeper. Mm-hmm. We're essentially a bunch of roots. We're just like he's going to tell us later in John 15 that we're connected to the vine. Mm-hmm. and um, we abide in him and, and if we're connected to the vine then, then we're just a bunch of roots connected to Christ we abide in him we're growing together and he's using us as this interconnected web to, to do his work and what a mm-hmm. blessing we
1: get to be a part of that yeah, and you mentioned earlier, you know, the message falls on, it's like the seed scattering. Sometimes it hits the path, sometimes it gets uh, it's very shallow soil, and it grows quickly but dies. Same thing with this, you know, I mean, if, if we are the roots, which you're describing, as we grow and as we get our faith strengthens and deepens, that root ball gets bigger and yeah. bigger and stronger, and nothing's going to rip that out of there. Yeah, It's beautiful.
0: Yeah, it's the whole picture of the redwoods up, mm-hmm. up there uh, in the northwest um, their their roots are not really that deep. They're they're kind of shallow, which is surprising. But they're so interconnected that it holds these large trees up. they don't come down because their roots are interconnected. And that's my prayer for friendship that we'd be a bunch of interconnected roots, growing stronger together, growing deeper. But in such a connection that that you know the gates of hell can't prevail against us. Like Amen. Jesus promised. That's right. And so yeah, well. We look this sense that Jesus comes to her, makes a divine appointment even. Like he says, I need to go to Samaria. And, and I love that idea of, of, you know, the only reason he needed to is, that's recorded anyways is because that Samaritan woman's there. And that Jesus makes a point to meet with her just as he made a point to meet with every one of us. There's a divine appointment that we meet with God. And, and he makes those divine appointments with those around us. And we're part of those appointments. And so um, just a fascinating thought along those lines too. Something else that really uh, um, made me think when I was studying out the scripture is the way she used truth. And when he asked her, you know, go get your husband. And she tells the truth, I don't have one. But she told it in a deceptive way to really hide the fact that um, she didn't want him to recognize the real truth. Mm -hmm. And we talked a little bit on Sunday about how we're so good at that, how we give little truths that are technically true, but really in essence all we're doing is hiding the the real truth that we don't want people to know. And I was thinking Mm -hmm. about um, your own life and my life and and thinking about moments that that may have been there or any time you thought about something like that uh, or even with your
1: kids. Yeah, I think so many times, you know, as Christians, we are kind of driven to put on this—I don't know if I, I kind of call it like a Christian face, where we can't be real with each other. Right. You know, we we are ashamed sometimes of the fact that we're sinners, and we hold each other almost in a in a sense of uh, this accountability factor is great. And, you know, I think as Christians, we should try to hold each other to a higher standard, and together we walk through life. However, sometimes I think that we get into a situation where we are. Um, afraid to actually be real with each other, and so you know when when you think in terms of um, you know the the sort of the public persona that you create, um, you know you put on a you put on a certain face, you know, and I think that and ultimately we just have to understand that we all have our good times and bad times, and you know even today as as much as I am in the Word, I'm praying, I'm trying to walk with Jesus, I still sin, I still make mistakes, I still do things that I'm thinking. Man, I'm really glad that nobody saw me do that, you know. And yeah. and I have to, to really ask God to forgive me for, you know, the sins that I'm doing. Yeah. And so, um you know, sometimes it's it's hard. I so.
0: think it goes back to what we talked about earlier with being thirsty and with her sharing that brokenness instead of taking and putting them on the fake Christian face where everything's okay, everything's mm-hmm. fine. Um but she goes and shares, no, he knows everything about me. He knows That's right. these things. Um it it Brings about a thirst in someone else. And I think about Jacqueline and what she told me this week. She does a Bible study on Thursdays, and Susan does a Bible study on Tuesdays. They're doing the same Bible study um, mm-hmm. through the, the letters of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And she told me one of the ladies came up to her um, this, today's Thursday, it was this morning, and a lady came up to her today and said, Um, Jacqueline, I just want you to know how much I appreciate you being real. Mm. She said, uh, I go home and tell my husband every week that she's just so real. She said, I've always put her on this pedestal as as the pastor's wife. And then every Thursday she knocks herself off this pedestal and she just Mm -hmm. is honest. And, and it makes me know, she said that, that I can just come to her. I can, I'm real too. And, and that, that we're, it gave her thirst basically. Mm -hmm. It allowed her to see that, that It's not about a persona. It's not about um, a place to arrive. It's about the journey of just growing in Christ and putting him first and being real with one another. And so I think we always try to give some kind of challenge and some kind of charge during these times. I mean, what is knowledge if we don't have any application to it? And so I'd say one of the things I would encourage you in a way to apply is is be cognizant, be be understanding of the moments that you have the, the Christian face on. Because we all do it. And mm-hmm. so it's not a question of just trying not to do it. It's recognize first when you do it, mm-hmm. because that'll really show you some of your insecurities. It'll show you some of really what you think about God, what you think about yourself, what you think about your brother, your sister. All that really comes to that moment when mm-hmm. you recognize, wait a second, why did I share what I just shared? Why did I say I'm fine when I'm really not? Why why didn't I take that moment and go a little deeper? And so that would be my first um charge or encouragement with application is, is recognized when you're not being real. Because what you're doing in that moment is neglecting an opportunity for them
1: to find their thirst and to see that it could be quenched in Christ. Amen. That's right. Um, and uh, seeing that, you know, as the Holy Spirit works through us um, to be able to support each other and to let God uh, work through us to give people um, really a good uh, a vision of or be able to see God at work through your actions. Uh, many times you know we we miss opportunities to help God where he's working yeah so yeah he invites us to that work and so that's um, right absolutely so there's one part of application what what's
0: another part of application if we're going to be true worshipers when you think of somebody that comes in week by week um, first off uh, maybe part of it's coming <laughs> week by week right and mm-hmm. being with your brothers and sisters but even if you do that if you're coming week by week, what is it that takes you from a person that sits in the pew? versus a person that's truly worshiping?
1: I think um, the the first thing that always comes to my mind, you know, if I feel like I'm not really close to God, it's because I'm not reading the Word. I mean, you really got to get in the Bible. You need to be reading it on a regular basis. And, I mean, God reveals Himself to us through that. Um, And I think the other thing is being in fellowship with other Christians, because when you're around other people and you talk about things and you, you hear how other people are struggling with things, you know, I... One of the things that's great about being a pastor is people ask you a lot of questions about the Bible. And so it causes me to want to go and, you know, really dig in and start looking that stuff up. And I think... Um, You know, you just find that the more you focus on something and the more you're interested in it, the more knowledgeable you become and the more comfortable you become with that. Um, I spent a lot of my years of my life when I wasn't walking with the Lord, really trying to kind of put a little veneer over that to be able to make it seem like I was a Christian and really knew some things, but I didn't. I didn't know anything. Right. And so I was hiding
0: in that. And that goes back to Jesus's answer when he says "There is a time to come and the hour is now that you'll worship in spirit and in truth. He says, for such is the Father seeking for you to worship in spirit and truth. And so what you covered is the truth aspect. Mm-hmm. You know, be in the word. Let God truly reveal who he is, not who grandma says he is, not who um, the televangelist says he is, not who you've always thought he was. Who is he really? What does that's the right. word say? And so that's the truth aspect. The other aspect is the spirit. And so I'm um, worshiping in spirit. So we get the truth aspect, but the spirit one's a little harder to understand. And I think the, the biggest um, encouragement I have in that is is the spirit is the one that's going to align the truth with um, your soul, where there's peace given with the truth, mm-hmm. because there's truth that can be read all day long, but if your soul's not at peace with it, then it just becomes this this aspect of knowledge again, mm-hmm. rather than something that's truly worship. Right. But when truth is aligned with your soul and given peace with it, then mm-hmm. there's this worship that comes from within of, of that's who he is, and I'm so grateful. I'm mm-hmm. so, so thankful. And then it overwhelms with an adoration, and, and that's all the other parts of worship. But it starts with truth and the Spirit aligning that together. And so, mm-hmm. again, my challenge, our charge to you is pay attention to when you have that fake face on. Pay attention to when you're, you're not being um, vulnerable because through vulnerability, God's going to work. And then back up in that moment and say, you know what? I don't know why I just said that. Here's the truth. Mm-hmm. And instead of using technical truths to deceive people, which is not truth at all, let's back up and just say, you know what? Let me just let me start over. Here's the truth. Here's what's going on. Give them an opportunity to thirst and then let them know how you're quenching that. Right. How how you know that within your soul that Jesus is real and there's a fountain inside of you and that you're drinking from it. And because mm-hmm. what's going to happen is they're going to want that too. Um, just as Dwayne said, uh, a very easy practical aspect of this is read the word. After we preach on Sunday and you hear the word preached, go back and read that exact same passage. Mm-hmm. We're preaching a chapter at a time. And so go back and read a chapter, sometimes yeah. a chapter at a time. Go back and read John <laughs> chapter 4. And watch what God does in that.
1: Yeah, and understanding the context around it, too. Because many times we can read a passage out of the Bible and not really understand what it means because we don't really know the context of which it was written and what Paul or somebody was saying when they were writing this stuff, you know. Um, and so it's so important to understand that so we have a better, a, really a true understanding of what's going on in there. Yeah. So.
0: All right, Dwayne, you're dead. You got a good knock-knock joke
1: for us? Knock-knock. <laughs> Who's there? Dwayne. Dwayne who? Dwayne the bathtub. I'm drowning. <laughs> How's that?
0: Oh, that's awesome. I knew you'd have one on the spot. I <laughs> just knew it. I've had right. one a few times over the years. <laughs> well, we love y'all, and we'll see you next week for Digging In Together, Digging Deeper. Absolutely. Love y'all.